0: Today is the first day of spring training for Major League Baseball here in the United States. The Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins were playing today in the early afternoon. And guess what I was doing? That's right. I was working on the outline of this show. So I had the game playing on, a, uh, on one screen on my laptop and then in front of that screen I had the the screen that I was working on you know the word processor and I lasted until about the third and a half inning (laughs) about the second half of the third inning Um, and then I realized that this is a lost cause I can't concentrate and so I'm gonna have to choose one or the other and I chose to turn off baseball the very first baseball game of the season I hope you appreciate that that I prioritized you folks, but I, I decided that it was more important for me to concentrate on this stuff and get a show out this week. And um, you know, and besides that, once I finish up here, get this recorded, edited, put out for for everybody, uh, I can always go back and pick up the recorded version of that game. But most of the time the things we talk about here are more important they are they are the priority so spring is in full effect here where I'm at today was absolutely gorgeous I had all the windows open letting the fresh air in after a long cold winter but you know it was a winter that I really enjoyed I really did Um, no complaints in fact if the winter had gone a little bit longer i wouldn't have minded that at all but it looks like spring is here mild temperatures today not too cold not too hot it, you know it's kind of like uh, what's that story goldilocks goldilocks and the three bears it was just right and i caught myself really being grateful and thankful to be alive to be aware to be able to take in those things and really enjoy them you know i'm happy i'm always happy to be alive but some days are sweeter than others and it's on those sweeter than other days that i catch myself breathing the day and deeply uh, and being truly thankful to be alive and you know for the awareness of what's going on around me it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to be alive and to be aware and to be able to enjoy little things I was just telling somebody the other day I think it was my neighbor I think my neighbor was uh, saying something to me about how blessed I am to have such a wonderful little girl my little daughter Eloise who's six and um, I was just telling him that I do the same thing like I did today with the the really nice weather and spring and everything I do the same thing with my daughter all the time she'll be playing or she'll be telling me a story or something or talking to me and she doesn't know that I'm doing this but I'll be observing her and just taking in the details and just feeling so much uh, appreciation and love and what's the word i'm looking for privileged i just feel a tremendous privilege of being able to be her father and i take note of these small things like her little tiny arms at this age of her life and her her little delicate fingers her mind the way her mind works uh, her sense of humor her intellect the way she walks and carries herself and just the the things that make her her. And I just stand there sometimes. And she doesn't know I'm doing it because I'll be answering her question or uh, interacting with her. But in my mind, in private, I'll just be taking all that in and just feel tremendous, tremendous uh, satisfaction and gratitude. Gratitude is the word. Tremendous gratitude. And you know, as somebody who never had any desire at all to be a dad, I am so grateful that I did not uh, pass up the opportunity to have that life experience. Um, I don't think that I wanted to be a father, or I, I don't think that I even considered the notion until i was probably 37 or 38 and i've got a story if you'll stick around to the end of today's show i got a story to tell you that that you won't want to miss it's a camp it's gonna i'm gonna make it into a campfire story but it's a story revolving around the fact that i didn't want to be a dad and um how i remember telling somebody that at a really young age and anyway i don't want to give too much away stick around to the end we'll have that discussion here's something I don't think I've ever shared with you so my daughter is my daughter I mean I am her father I'm 100% biologically her father but although I am 100% biologically her father I prefer and choose not to view her as quote unquote mine and the reason for this is because I don't like what happens just naturally happens to people when we begin to think of other people as possessions when we begin to think of other human beings as our possessions she's my daughter, my son that's my sister it's possessive and the results of thinking of somebody as being property the natural results just are what they are but if you don't think of somebody as being a possession of yours as being something you own or that belongs to you you'd be amazed at how uh, this affects you positively and how you treat people more healthfully so I choose not to think of my daughter as being mine Rather, I choose to think of her as somebody who has been entrusted into my care for a limited amount of time. Now, here's an important added detail of that. I don't just think of her as somebody who's been entrusted to me for a limited amount of time. It goes even further than that. I choose to think of her as somebody who has been entrusted to me for a very limited amount of time by somebody who is much greater than me that makes the difference so the way I view it she belongs to herself and she belongs to God and God really is her father and I am her caretaker father her earthly father, of course, but but I know and I know that not everybody's religious, not everybody believes in God, but that's the way I choose to think about it. That God has entrusted her to me for a limited amount of time, and I'm and, you know, I have to answer to Him for the job that I do or the job that I don't do. And the limited amount of time that I have to do this is only until she's capable of taking, of taking care of herself or herself. fully caring for herself so this mindset really helps me view my place in her life more appropriately and appreciatively see because she's not mine from my point of view because she's not mine I feel this tremendous honor of being entrusted with, with somebody so precious so it's not like she's just some sort of thing that I'm entitled to, you see. And uh, you know, when I look around, that's kind of the attitude I see. Well, we just have kids, everybody can have kids, you just pop it doop, bitty boop, and pop you have kids. And it just kind of seems like this entitlement and people's attitudes seem to reflect that. Like I'm I'm entitled to have kids. Well, you know, if that's your attitude, and you're right. You are entitled, and you can choose to think of it that way. But if that's your attitude, that I'm entitled, and that's the only way you choose to look at it, well then, the way that you go about parenting will reflect an entitled attitude. But if you instead choose to think about it as being not something that you were entitled to, but rather as something that you've been assigned the responsibility of and that's your attitude well then that's the way you'll go about it especially if you think well I've been assigned this responsibility by somebody much greater than me That's and that's the way that you that's the attitude that you live with that is the way you will go about it and kind of a, a side effect of this is that you'll feel the great weight And privilege that comes along with that responsibility. I know that in my case, because I feel like it's such a a wonderful honor and I've been entrusted with such a a precious thing, I say to myself, Boy, I I don't deserve this. I never deserved to to have such a blessing to be a father to such a wonderful, a wonderful little girl. And um that makes me want to live up to the expectations that the person putting, giving me that responsibility might have for me not only do I not want to disappoint the person entrusting me with that privilege but I also choose to think that there will be an accounting for the job that I do and what will that all come down to the accounting for the job that I do, whether I do it well or I don't do it well or I take it seriously or don't take it seriously, well, what it will come down to is how much I care. How much did I care about that responsibility? How seriously did I take that responsibility? So anyway, this helps me to take great care in my dealings with my daughter and to not take things for granted you know, like entitlements, like I'm entitled. This conversation is going to lead real well into the next conversation, but before we get into that, let me mention thelastsymptom.com, that's thelastsymptom.com, and that is my website full of resources, both free and paid. Make sure to take advantage of thelastsymptom.com, and leave me a donation to support my ongoing efforts if you're so inclined the last symptom fundamentals course has become a really important feature to my overall goal to help people it's a two-week intensive pre-recorded online course that's similar to taken a pre-recorded uh, college course online so it's not scary it's not difficult it's just that in this case instead of learning algebra or uh, string theory you're learning all the fundamental principles and laws that you need to know in order to eventually recover from emotional disorders authentically and permanently it's superior to dbt it works with your personal schedule i'm the presenter for the full two weeks so go over to the com look in the paid services tab and see if the last symptom fundamentals course is not something that can help you or somebody that you love Would you like to join our online community? We would love to have you there. The almost 800 members there now would love to have you over there interacting with us. The way you join us is by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com or download the locals.com app from the App Store and search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. You'll find us. Orange slices are condensed video highlights Of this show in brief five, they're about five, ten minute segments. They appear on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals, the online community I just finished mentioning. I record most episodes of this show now as a video. Some of you are watching me right now, in addition to just the audio only version. In many cases, I feel like these video episodes are superior in that you can see my gestures you can um, you know I can convey emphasis with my facial expressions and those sorts of things I can bring up images up on the screen and those sorts of things I tell you uh, I'm not sure which episode it was but it was about four four or five back where I was talking about that model who committed suicide and the reasons for it Um, that episode I think Definitely, if you've only heard the audio version of that, that would be worth watching. So you you know it'd be like watching a public discourse. There are advantages to that in uh, the ability to see uh, their facial expressions, their gestures, and those sorts of things. Last announcement for today, I'm still hard at work re-editing and bringing all the old Episodes of this show up to date and uploading them for the first time ever in many cases to YouTube and Rumble. For now, I'm focused on doing this for YouTube, but Rumble's not too far behind. So, this would be the explanation for why you haven't seen a steady stream of orange slices here lately. Remember that I'm a one man show, the time that I would generally be devoting to orange slices. I've been having to do, uh, devote to the this editing and you know this let's just call it a spring cleaning. I'm bringing everything up to date, re-editing, taking out old information in the old shows that are is no longer relevant, such as old services, old websites, stuff like that, and I'm updating all those things. So, but anyway, that's taken so much of my time and attention that that would be time and attention that I would typically be devoting to the orange slices to editing orange slices and uploading those several times a week and um, so there's only so much time in the day and I can only get stretched so thin but that's why soon orange slices will begin to flow regularly again I uh, I really love the orange slices I have no regrets about starting that. It took me about a year to figure out exactly what niche I wanted them to fill in my work. But uh, they found their spot and gotten their found their stride and their place. And so I'm real happy and excited about them. But again, since I'm just one guy doing all these things, anytime one of these big organizational things have to happen, it necessarily steals my attention for a while but not for much longer so subscribe to the last symptom rumble channel subscribe to the last symptom youtube channel and of course join us at thelastsymptom.locals.com on our online community there and uh, you'll be able to keep keep pace with everything we're we're up to moving on now to today's uh one of today's main topics I said that the uh, whole conversation about how I choose to view my relationship with my daughter would nicely complement our next discussion, and now you're going to see how that's so. Let me ask you, how often do you tell your kids to clean up their rooms? How often do you tell your kids to eat their vegetables? How often do you tell your kids not to talk back to you? How many times do you check your children's phones, or tell them to explain where they've been, or do you tell them to do their chores? Well, I think all these things just kind of come with the territory, don't they? Being parents. Don't you think? I know, for example, that my daughter... leaves the remote control... for uh, my television. For example, I have a big television right there. You can't see it. It's out off camera. But you can see the, the recliner behind me. So, my daughter will be here and she'll be watching a movie on my, my TV and she'll sit with the remote instead of putting the remote on the table right next to the, the recliner she'll put it in the chair with her well the problem with that is that she ends up sitting on top of the remote control until the batteries are completely dead why do the batteries completely die because her little but is sitting on the buttons of the remote control, which means it's sending a signal out all the time to nowhere, by the way. It's just a signal that's blasting off into outer space somewhere forever and ever, I reckon. And so I'm imagining some alien in the Andromeda galaxy one day, just maybe two billion years from now. Cursing to himself as his TV suddenly starts changing channels inexplicably in the middle of a hockey game. And it's probably going to be coming from my remote control two billion years earlier. But I've talked to her a million times about this. I've said, honey, I don't like you setting the remote control on the couch or on the chair. Put it on the table instead, please. Okay, okay, she says then I walk in later and there's the remote control jammed down into the recliner smushed down into the recliner again another big complaint for me that I have uh, when it comes to her is turning things off when you're not using them now you probably think that this is just an example of me being like every other dad who's obsessed with saving energy well that has a little bit to do with it but only a little bit the the real problem I have with it is that for example if I'm sitting here trying to work on something which requires a lot of concentration requires my attention and she wants my attention but I can't give it to her yet so there's all this work I got to do I can just say to her honey here play with play a game on your on your iPad or uh, FaceTime with one of your friends or something like that but if she's left her iPad on all day when she's not even using it when it comes for me to do that she can't use her iPad it needs to be charged so now I have to entertain her and uh, so it, it steals me away from my work I lose time. It's it's really kind of a selfish reasoning behind it. I lose time, it sets me back in my schedule for hours. So it just drives me nuts when I come across her iPad and it's sitting there the game that she was playing. It's not turned off or anything and it's just sitting there on and it's been on for twenty five minutes or thirty minutes or an hour. So I constantly telling her, honey, I want you to plug that iPad in, please. Put it, plug it in right now. I want you to do it right now, please. All right. So she plugs it in. Another one is leaving doors open, not wide open, but not latching the door. So she run through, close the door, but it won't latch. So it, it's basically it's hanging open. My dog comes along, can just kick it open anybody can get it the wind can knock it open that really annoys me and I've had that conversation with her a million times honey please I want you to shut the door you, you don't I want you to take the time to make sure that the door is latched and it's properly closed please okay daddy do I have the right to tell my daughter to clean up her room yeah I absolutely do Does she have any options for not cleaning the room if she doesn't want to clean up her room? And I have decided that she will clean up her room. Does she have any options? None at all. I am the ultimate authority who can make her do things even if she doesn't want to do them. I have that authority. I have that power over her to make her do even things that she doesn't want to do and that she has no choice but to do. But here's the question I wanted to ask you. How often when giving your kids a direct order that you have a right to give and you've had the conversation with them 9 million times, they still not getting it right. How often when you're giving them that direct order do you include please and thank you well I'm not asking for an answer obviously and obviously this is not meant to be a guilt trip I want to talk about this because it's important as far as it reflects attitude so it's just a question for you to ask yourself and to think about for a second how often even when I'm Justified, I have the total right and authority and power to make my child do a thing or to order them to do a thing right this second. How often do I take uh, the time and am I mindful enough to include please and thank you? So, for example, my daughter knows that I hate having things under my feet when I'm trying to move around like her toys for example bunch of junk around my feet and I my daughter she is uh, I've never seen anything like it she, my floor space can be perfectly clean and clear she'll start playing and an hour later you can't walk through there I think I've seen uh, Dave what is his name the comedian Chappelle I've seen Dave Chappelle uh, slip in some commentary about that happening in his life. And, it's man, it's just infuriating. So, my daughter knows I hate to have a bunch of junk around my feet on the floor. Toys and that sort of thing. So, she knows it very well. We've discussed it many times. And I don't feel, at this point, like I have to be too sweet, too very awful sweet about it when she junks up the floor with toys just leaves them there and then I come along because we're way past we've had we've had the conversation 90 times I'm not kidding you so I feel pretty justified and righteous in my calling her to the room and telling her to pick them up lickety-split and the reality is, I am justified in it. And she'll have to do it, whether, whether I include please and thank you or not. But, I always include the please and the thank you. Saying please and thank you to our kids, even when we're barking out orders, that we're... It has gotten to a point where we're justified in barking those orders even when we are barking those orders take the time to include the please and thank you why? well ask yourself what attitude does it reflect when I do that? I'm saying me but I would hope that you're thinking the question from the first person for yourself what attitude does it reflect coming from me when I do that? let's put it this way in their minds our children's minds what attitude does it reflect well does it not reflect to them that they are real people to us and that we respect them we recognize their dignity as human beings even when we're having to fulfill our role as disciplinarian or foreman or boss you know so to speak that they have not converted into an inanimate thing to us or a possession to us to go along with that discussion we were having earlier that even when we are angry we still view them and respect them as human beings we value them as human beings with inherent dignity that comes along with being a human being and that they're not just any human being but they're the human being that we have the honor of caring for and that they they matter to us, they're still valuable to us, they still matter to us, their feelings still matter to us even when we're angry. So, me ordering my daughter to pick up the toys when I'm angry and justified, usually sounds like this. Eloise, Eloise, honey, come here right now, please. I'm angry, she hears I'm angry, but there's some part of her that heard that, please. that It's not insignificant. There's some part of her that heard that Please, even though I was angry. She's thinking, oh, what did I do? But she's not thinking, what's wrong with me? She's thinking, what did I do? Honey, haven't we talked about this? Well, I want you to pick that stuff up right now. I mean it. You won't be doing anything else until all this stuff is picked up please she starts picking things up I see her beginning to pick all the stuff up and I say thank you I appreciate you doing that and I say that as now I turn and I leave to let her finish picking up the stuff that she should have never left there in the first place then later when she finishes and she comes shuffling into the other room where I'm working or whatever i'll say did you finish she'll say yeah i finished and that's when i'll thank her again Come here, thank you usually it's with a an embrace or a hug or something thank you i appreciate you doing that we might have a little discussion about honey we we've had that discussion a million times haven't we so please try harder next time i will daddy i i don't know why i just forget well i know i know you forget because you're at the age where kids forget. They get excited about other things, and I understand that. And I do understand that, by the way. I do take that into my into consideration, too. I do put it into context. She's six. Did I do any better when I was six? Nope, I didn't. And I, I would bet, <laughs> I'd bet you a nickel, that all the other six-year-olds out there are not doing any better either. So it's not a it's not something she's doing on purpose it's not something that all six year olds don't do but that's the interaction we have as as father and daughter I expect her to learn anyway and um, but it doesn't make me stop loving her doesn't make me stop uh, viewing her as a human being so I include the pleases and the thank yous so I want you. To, I just want to kind of draw your attention to the fact that I thank her when she begins doing the thing. Right when she begins doing the thing, I thank her then, and I thank her later too, once she's finished. So, I emphasize the thank you. I do it all the time. I do it even for small things. Eloise, please come here right this second. Did you leave the bread out, Lion? Uh, there on the counter that the, the dog knocked off the table. Well, I want you to clean it up off the floor right now, not later. Please. Once she starts doing what I've ordered her to do, I say, thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. Later, once she's finished, and she comes in, or she, I see that she finishes, I again thank her. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it if she sees that my attitude genuinely is that she's a real person and that even when she's out of line or when I'm angry I still make it a point to dignify her what is she going to grow up believing about herself what sort of treatment is she going to view as acceptable or unacceptable from others she's going to be out in the workplace force one of these days. Have you had bosses that treated you... like you weren't human? Well, I have. Or like... um... you deserve to be treated... kind of like less than human? Yeah, I've had bosses like that. And I... Sh- and I, I ended up working for them longer than I ever should have. Uh, because I had no self-respect. I was not raised to think of myself as uh, being worthy enough not to be mistreated by bosses uh, in fact my dad had me believing that if a person's your boss that basically you're their property you got to do whatever they say no matter how they say it and, and all these things but the way we look out for ourselves we, the way we value ourselves the way we dignify ourselves the way we love ourselves necessarily involves what kind of treatment we, we view from others as being acceptable or unacceptable even in, a, even in a job and you know the jobs I'm talking about I was never making $10 million a year on those jobs I was making like minimum wage no way no way should I have ever put up with some of that treatment because I could have quit and gone and gotten a another minimum wage job the very next day so what sort of treatment is my daughter going to view as acceptable or unacceptable from others see that's how I raise her to look out for herself and to stand up for her own dignity to protect it as something worth protecting I may not always be around to jump to her defense, and, you know, whether I'm there or not, it won't always be my responsibility to do that for her anyway. So the answer is to raise her in a way that she will naturally stand up for her own self and be protective of her own self-value in these ways. So that's the conversation I wanted to have with you about my daughter talked about her a lot today didn't we i gotta tell you that uh... we just had the time change here in the last what was it It was uh, this past sunday and uh... I, I held a very scientific super scientific poll there on our online community our last symptom online community super super scientific and uh, I asked in that poll if people like daylight savings time, or the time change, if they don't like the time change, or if where they live there is no time change. You know what the results of that uh, super scientific poll was? Well, I ain't going to tell you. You got to be part of our group. So go over to lastsymptom.locals.com join our group, and then you'll know. I can't tell you. It's top secret. But I'll tell you what my answer was. My answer was that I hate time change. And it happens twice a year. And it royally screws up my internal clock. I mean royally. And so that was Sunday. And I haven't had a proper night's sleep since. And I'm really suffering. And uh, I just... I, I'll tell you, I feel like kind of like a walking zombie. I, I cannot catch up to my sleep. It, every time it happens, it takes me about two weeks to catch up or for my, my internal system to readjust so that I get this, the rest that I need. My brain starts working again and all these things. So I just got a notice the other day that the uh, United States Senate passed a bill to make daylight savings time permanent and I couldn't believe it I left for joy now here's the thing about that I don't understand politics well enough to know what that means clearly it's not law yet and clearly it's got to go through some other hurdles before that were to happen and I don't know what the likelihood is of that bill going through those hurdles but it seems like a step in the right direction to me and it would be perfect perfect in my opinion if they would just keep daylight savings time just all year round so we'll see about that I'll tell you what if you were on our the last symptom uh, online community and you knew something about how the process of something becoming a law like that you you could actually talk to me about it so join our group what are you waiting for One little thing I want to talk about, this is not going to be a huge discussion, but just one little thing I want to talk about was, have you noticed people uploading videos and pictures of themselves that are reversed? You can tell because the writing on their shirt is all backwards. You know why they do that? They do that because they feel more comfortable seeing themselves as they're used to seeing themselves in the mirror now think about that they're so used to seeing themselves backwards in the mirror that they can't comfortably upload a picture of themselves in not reversed to allow other people to see what do you think about that what is your opinion about that I'll tell you what my opinion of it is I think it's a form of denial. Why are they doing that? It's isn't it an emotional decision that they're making? They're making a decision based on pure emotion, how they feel looking at the picture. And the insecurity, right? It's really it's insecurity of people seeing them. Uh, in a way that they're not used to be that they're not used to seeing themselves so if you part your hair for example like I do this way and you look at yourself in the mirror that's what you see right then you take a a selfie of yourself and your hair you see your hair parted the opposite way you say to yourself "Oh, I don't look as good that way so I, I don't want to upload that picture of myself looking not as good to me as I think I look with my hair parted the other way and so uh, people set up their phones and their cameras and stuff so that they get a mirrored image and they upload the mirrored uh, images to the internet now I was just on some social media the other day and there was this woman talking very confidently about a thing into the camera which she then uploaded onto the internet but her confidence is undermined by the fact that the writing on her shirt is all backwards so immediately all the confidence that she's projected in this video is completely undermined I don't I'm not buying any of it Why? because she's not even secure enough with herself to allow people to see her as she really appears now here's the thing about it do you understand that no matter how you feel about you know no matter how uncomfortable you feel about seeing yourself in reverse to you in other words seeing yourself in the right direction as you really appear to the world what is healthier what is healthier this this emotional rejection which is denial we're talking about denial so a per- anybody who's uploading their pictures reversed or mirrored is embracing denial they don't want to accept the reality of what just is that they don't look like that they look like this flipped that's how they really look they would rather pretend that they don't look like that and you know embrace the imaginary non-real version image of themselves it's very unhealthy. I mean, there are unhealthier things out there that I could be griping about, but that is unhealthy. It's emotional. It's a form of a denial. It's a form of living in a fake world, of embracing a fake reality. The mirrored version of you is not how you appear in the real world. It's only how you appear to yourself in a mirror. So, What is the opposite of denial? The opposite of denial, obviously, is acceptance. What is acceptance? It's just coming to terms with a thing, whether we like it or not. That's the reality. That's just what it is. Is it ever healthy to live in denial in small or large ways? Nope. It's never healthy. So if you're somebody who is reversing the images on your camera for uploading to so that other people can see think about that think about that it doesn't change the reality just because you upload a an image onto the internet of you as you appear to yourself in the mirror it's still not the reality you still don't look like that when you're walking down the street or shopping at the store or any of those things it's unhealthy and it's just astonishing to me there were you know there's a time where I probably would have done the same thing but not anymore not since I recovered from emotional disorder authentically since I've uh, recovered from emotional disorder authentically however I appear in real life I want to know that because then I can work with that I can tweak that but if I just deny that I look that way at all, and I just uh, fix the problem by reversing the camera or the image on my phone, um, that that's just, it's not healthy. That, that is a rejection of reality. Think about it. That's really what it is. It's a rejection of reality. And, you know, it should tell you something that Apple makes that well I'm using an Apple phone alright so I'm assuming <laughs> Apple's not the only ones who do it but I know that for example on my phone they want to default my phone to that it it's very hard for me to figure out how to undo that mirrored image thing and it's, it's infuriating for me I don't want to see myself as I don't look to the world I want to see myself as I do look to the world because what have we said in the past you can't identify address and fix any reality that you deny so i would always rather i would always prefer to see the reality and know what i have to work with what i can make look better what i can make or you know what i might not need to tweak what i might need to to work on rather than just deny it at all deny it completely now what i was going to say about apple is that think about the people working at apple making these decisions do you think they're healthy think they're emotionally healthy i don't think so i don't think so if they're enabling people to live in denial about reality and in fact the reason they probably include that feature is because they themselves prefer to see themselves in a mirrored in a mirrored way they would, rather say, they would rather pretend that that is how they actually appear in reality, pretend it, uh, than just accept that that's not how they appear in reality. Anyway, enough of that. We're just about at an hour, and so I'm going to go ahead and call uh, quits here. What I wanted to do, and we'll do this next week, is I wanted to share my list of most important words to ruminate over regularly to have the upper hand on life now this is a list that I've been keeping for years at least since 2014 it's a list I keep on my phone, it's a short list but I title it, My List of Most Important Words to Ruminate Over Regularly to have the upper hand on life I think you're going to enjoy that discussion, we'll talk about not only the words on my list but the notes that I have accompanying those words so, oh I promised you a story, didn't I? yeah, I promised you a campfire story, alright let's go back to the beginning what were we talking about? okay, the story about me not wanting to be a dad (laughs) All right, well you're going to enjoy this so I was 11 or 12 and I was talking to a friend of mine named Mark Uh, and actually Jordan was there too my old buddy Jordan was there and there were a few other guys there too and we were telling jokes we were all standing around telling jokes Jordan was like the king of jokes in fact I think every joke I've told you folks are jokes that he told me and I'm simply passing on. So, anyway, we were standing around, me and Jordan and Mark and some other friends, and we were telling jokes. Some of them were getting pretty naughty for uh, you know, 12, 11, 12, and 13 year olds. But anyway, uh, Jordan told this this joke. The punchline was that the the guy's girlfriend in the joke ended up having a, a penis and oh man I don't I don't remember the joke I just remember we died laughing it was the funniest joke in the world and you know we were just bent over howling with laughter and all of us all of us were just bent over howling and laughter and Mark was standing there not laughing at all he wasn't laughing at all he wasn't even smiling and uh at one point, we stopped laughing. I said, Mark, what's what's wrong? You don't get the joke? And he says, uh, no, I don't get it. And I said to Mark, um, well, the punchline is that the guy didn't know that his, his girlfriend was actually a, a guy. Because the guy, he had a penis. And uh, Mark says, I, I still don't get it. I remember Jordan and me looking at each other like, what on earth doesn't he get about this? And I said, Mark, women don't have penises. And he said, well, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> Man, we just about fell over. Mark, We could not I couldn't believe that at this age he didn't know that women don't have penises. So I said, Mark, no, women don't have penises. And I swear to you... He looked us straight in the eye... With a completely straight face... And he said... Yeah... Yeah they do... My mom has one... I've seen it... At... You know... Twelve... I don't remember what age we were... Twelve... Eleven... Something like that... I mean... We just... We just about fell over... I'm not laughing... Just like in astonishment... That he said that... Now... Jordan preferred to think that Mark's mom does have a penis but I don't think that that's the case because I've known her for a long long time and uh, and I've known Mark for a long long time and I know that Mark is kind of he's different I mean, he, he's a great guy, good friend of mine but he's always been a little what's the word I'm looking for a little eccentric a little slow to some things too like he doesn't understand the world too much and uh, so what I would say is much more likely is that he saw his mom getting out of the shower or something and and mistook something else for a penis but, um, but yeah that was a real conversation we had but the reason I bring him up I'll tell you what by the way I mentioned that to him in our 20s we were hanging out and i said mark do you remember that time we were telling jokes and you didn't understand the punchline?" and i said it's the the punchline is that the guy's girlfriend had a penis and you didn't understand it and i said well g- girls don't have penises mark and you said yeah no they do they do my mom has one and i've seen it do you remember saying that and he's like i never said that i never said that I never said that. And he denied that up and down. I don't know if he completely forgot that. Like I said, he's kind of eccentric. So I don't know if he forgot it or if he was just horrified by the memory of him saying that and being so oblivious to real life or not. But anyway, he he denied it to, to pieces. But the reason why I bring him up was because I remember having a discussion with him one time about what we were going to do with our lives when we grew up and um, we were again probably only between 11 and 13 we were young very young and I, I asked him I, I what are your plans like what what is your big life goals and he said well I would like to grow up um, get married and have children let's say we were 12 for me to hear him say that at 12 just I mean to me that was uh the 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 most crazy talk I'd ever heard in my life. I remember at that age hearing him say that. I I had to question him over and over again about like, why? Why would you do that to yourself? Because to me the idea of having children, it was the it was the part about having kids. I said, "What what is it? Like why would you do that to yourself? Why would you want to have kids?" And he was like well I I just do that's what lots of people do it appeals to me that's what I want to do and it was just such a foreign idea I thought he was crazy I thought he was crazy and I remember thinking to myself at that age I will never ever have children not ever and uh, I held to that view for well a long time like I say until I was almost 40 I held to that view I did not want to be a dad I, I didn't want the responsibility it did not seem fun to me it didn't seem like there were any positives about that it seemed more like a like putting yourself in prison uh, voluntarily than anything good And um, and I'm just so grateful I am so grateful first of all that I didn't have children before I was ready and I'm so grateful also that I did not miss out on that tremendous honor, that tremendous honor and that that possibility in life because it has turned out to just be the, the greatest thing I have ever done. But, you know, make sure I, I'm talking to you folks now who don't have kids um, and are on the fence about something like that. I just want to reiterate that I did not have kids until I was on the far side of authentic recovery from my emotional disorder. It was, it was at that point where I started to realize that now, um, you know, I'm not going to be a bad father. I'm not going to damage them in the same way that my parents parented and, um, you know, I've got a lot of now new healthy wonderful perspectives that I know will serve me well as a parent uh, and the desire was there the desire had been born inside of me to, to become a father at that point so I'm not saying run out and have kids um, without some conditions make sure that you meet some conditions you know get healthy Make sure that you're ready for it. You're truly ready for it. And and then... And then... If it's something you want to do... I'm telling you... If you're committed to doing it right... And being a great dad or a mom... There's just no other... There's nothing else in life like it. It has made me into... It has refined me as a person... Like very, very few things could. And... Uh, the greatest thing really I think for me personally in becoming a parent is that before I became a parent even when I was married even when I was in relationships with other people I was still very selfish I I still lived for myself primarily becoming a parent for the right reasons when you're healthy really reveals to you the joys of living for things that are beyond just you selfishly looking out for your own interests and stuff like that. It rounds you out as a, as a person, I think. So anyway, that I didn't have any of that planned to talk about, but I think it works and, uh, glad to share it with you. I hope you folks have a wonderful weekend. Um, take care of yourselves, do something nice for yourselves and, uh, I'll see you next week, same place, same time.